Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Good morning and good afternoon and good evening, no matter what time you're listening to the show. I am Yanari Gold, and I am recording on a Wednesday morning because there were some technical difficulties last night. Uh, so we were cut off a little bit on the recording, so I wanted to go through the intro and let you guys know what was discussed. So we talked a little bit about the draft event. Uh, today should be the day that I'm able to uh, lock down a venue, which then I will communicate to you guys. So I'm, we're really excited about this. I'm not going to be able to tell you exactly what I'm working on when it comes to players and what else we're doing. We're looking for this to be more of an exclusive event, uh, maybe 250 people instead of uh, just kind of opening up to the public as we want to give back to our listeners and our and the people who have helped us get to where we're at instead of having a bunch of people come because there will be players there. So uh, I will know more later today, and once I know, I will tweet out the info but outside of that, here is our free agent uh, episode to discussing all of the upcoming free agents for the Texans and our thoughts on who will be here and who will not. Uh, so Roughnecks, let's talk about the XFL Roughnecks before we get into Rick Smith, because I think Rick Smith will probably be a conversation. Uh, all right, so are we watching Roughnecks? Yeah, John, I've watched a, a little bit. You know, I'm, I thought I would get into it, really, and to be honest with you, I just didn't. Uh the, the game, while I applaud the league and I applaud what they're trying to accomplish, uh, the game is just not the same. It's really not. It's going to be very hard to compete with the NFL. And sure, you shouldn't go into it expecting it to be the NFL, um, but it's not even college football. It's it's just... It's just... Yeah, they are... The XFL isn't innovative at all. Um, they showed a stat that kind of throwing out there I don't think it I don't want to disrespect what TJ Walker's doing because he is fun to watch um, that we may actually have the only fun team to watch in the XFL go figure Houston actually having that um, however it's the run and shoot from 20 years ago we, we all know how that kind of worked out now every offense in the NFL uses a variation of the run and shoot but this is June Jones bringing it back, bringing it back old school. And all of a sudden, the, the Roughnecks are the only team that can score in the entire XFL. The XFL has a big problem with offense. There's just not any. And as we've all watched sports throughout the years, if they're not scoring touchdowns, usually you get bored of it quickly. I mean, the most hated that the Texans were or when we actually had great offense or great defenses and horrible offenses. We w- even us, we would come on this podcast and we would complain. The games are always a grind to watch, a grind to watch. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of where the XFL is, but hopefully they can keep people's attention long enough to actually develop into something. I, would hope that they realize that offense is kind of the issue and they start to look for coaches that are a little bit more um, experimental because not even necessarily innovative. It's just guys that will go out there and it's just like saying, you know, fuck it. This is what we're going to try and do. We can't try it in college. can't try it in the NFL because you'll get ran out of town, but maybe you can do it in the XFL. But right now they're still playing it safe. And just look at the average age of the coach. They're all ancient. So it's, 
I mean, people have kind of joked, or not even joked, the XFL said they were going to bring football back to the roots, back to good love. But a lot of the things we enjoy about the NFL currently weren't around 20 years ago. The offense and as spread out as the game has become. And so it is, it's different to watch. No, I mean, obviously people are watching it. It's doing better than hockey and basketball. So go figure, people will continue to watch it. And we'll, I mean, both me and James, we'll continue to, to check in on it. And I think that if it really looks like it becomes something, we'll, we'll start to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, I think with the XFL, uh, it, it's, it's very early. Um, they're having success as far as attendance and ratings and things like that, which is what you want to see for there to be potentially a second season. Uh, but right now, if you just look at the rest of the teams, I think it's what the Defenders and, and the Roughnecks are like the only two teams that are really worth watching. Um, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, and, and PJ Walker, great, you know, fun, fun quarterback to watch. But this is also the same quarterback that was on the Colts practice squad and couldn't crack the roster with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback. So, like, keep that in mind with all the talk about P.J. Walker. Is he good? Yes. Does he have uh, traits that could be developed into a backup role in the NFL? Maybe. Uh, you know, but I, slow down on the whole, this should be Deshaun Watson's backup, uh, all these things, because that league is nowhere near the level of competition that PJ Walker would see in the NFL. And while yes, that pass was amazing. The offense looks a lot better. Uh, you know, I see this is a, I hate that the XFL is around because it just gives people an opportunity in Houston to trash the Texans, right? Like you see tweets all day on Saturday and Sunday, whenever they're playing like, Oh, at least we have a winning football team in Houston. And, Oh man, look at that offense go! And it's like, do you see Sammy Coates out there? Like he doesn't even look like he doesn't even look like he belongs on a roster in the XFL. And that guy was a wide receiver for us last year. So I, I, I just, I just, I, I think it's going to take some time. I think that it could become something. I think as it continues, you know, it's going to gain attention. Um, the first thing that has to happen for them to be taken serious and like be considered something is there's going to need to be a player in college that goes straight to the XFL after a season or two, then things could get interesting. Maybe a head coach or, you know, I see people, this is the, probably the most laughable thing I've seen. If since Eric B can't get a head coaching job in the, in the uh, NFL, you know what he should do? We should go to the XFL and show what he's capable of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here, let me ask you this. No. What you do, would you like to go do it for a startup and basically be an intern? and not get paid nearly as much as you're getting paid now. No. No, and it, they're going to they're gonna hit a point about halfway through the season, through the grind of the season. And at that point, I think that's when I think coaches will start to experiment a little bit more because there will just be pressure. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think that the overall level of talent last year on the AAF, I think, was higher. I could be wrong. There's people that have that have disagreed with me pretty vocally about this, but a lot of those AAF players were on practice squads and they were able to get picked back up by practice squads. Whereas the XFL, these are guys that for the most part couldn't make the practice squad. Like the guys that were on practice squads 
are the are the all stars so far in the XFL. And again, this isn't trashing it. I mean, we talked at length last year. We wanted to succeed. We want it to do well. I mean, it'd be awesome if um, the Roughnecks end up in the inaugural championship game, and I will definitely watch that. Heck, I might go down there and go see it in person. So this isn't trashing it, but it's just also kind of like, slow your roll, cool your jets. June Jones is not a better coach than Bill O'Brien. He's not a, um, that was probably my, uh, my favorite tweet was how often that was popping up. Oh, look, June Jones is a better coach than Bill O'Brien. We finally have a real head coach in Houston. And so it's like, dumb, no, he dude. used to – he used to be our coach. There's a reason why he isn't anymore. I mean, or, well, I mean, he was an Oilers coach, but you know, again, the XFL just isn't quite there, and it, it's just we're thirsty for football. And I mean, bless PJ Walker. I mean, there needs to be more quarterbacks out there that are kind of given a chance to just improvise and kind of turn into something. One of the things that I read a few years back that has really kind of stuck with me on quarterback developing is or for the future of the NFL is our quarterbacks are going to look more and more robotic because in order to be a quarterback for any level of team, you're already either the coach's son, you already go through all these camps and the guys that grew up playing backyard and just have that like intuition aren't out there. Like being able to switch arm angles like Pat Mahomes does, like Deshaun does. So any quarterback can go out there and do that accurately. I mean, I'm all for it. And I, I, I hope TJ Walker gets signed to an actual NFL practice squad this year and I'm rooting for him, but let's, let's be honest. He's not Deshaun's backup. No, he's not. And for the people that like think that June Jones is better than Bill O'Brien, like you've been waiting for something like this. You, you've honestly gone to bed hoping that there would be a chance that it, something like this happened in another league in Houston. So you could just make that comment. You've had that saved in your drafts for probably three years. Uh, it's not a good take. All right, let's get to uh, this Rick Smith article. Uh, Giov- you know, Giovanni, that's pretty cool. Jordan Tamu, my girlfriend, girlfriend's friend from back at northern Mississippi, Missouri, and Indiana. No, I... <laughs> Directional random school somewhere. <laughs> uh, but... Um, that's cool. You should uh, you should have her have him shoot a text so you can come on the podcast because he was with the Texans. So it'd be interesting to to talk to him a little bit. Uh, let's get to this. Oh, I, I mean, my my tweet about Tommy was the truth. Maybe Bill O'Brien should have let him throw a little bit more in oh, the yeah. preseason instead of. You know you what's know. funny? I would actually I would say that while yes, PJ Walker is putting on a show, um, I would still take Jordan Tommy over PJ Walker. Yeah, he, he could actually sling the ball. Yeah, and he looks and he just looks comfortable. For me. Yeah. He just he looks like he can throw the ball. I think it would have done a a lot better in our um evaluation of our wide receiver core during the preseason where, you know, we I don't want to trash the guy that was throwing the ball, but he was a special teams player. He shouldn't have been throwing the ball. Right. And you look at Jordan Tamu playing over in the XFL, and he's throwing the ball and he with accuracy. And I mean, he's just he's just doing a good job slinging it. So why on earth didn't we give him a chance to do so? I don't know. I don't know. I think we gave way too much time to uh, the XFL. That was like a solid ten minutes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so let's get to this Rick Smith article. Uh, let, let's talk about The Athletic. Um, it was a very well-written article. Uh, I think for people that only saw the quotes, I think you did yourself a disservice by not reading the article, as the article was very it was very moving. It really gave you a look into Rick Smith, the person. Uh, he's going to be a general manager at some point. Just, just know that that will happen. Uh, it won't happen here, obviously. But uh, I, I do believe it will happen. He, he was a good general manager for us. I think things just grew a little stale, and Bill O'Brien had his way of wanting to do things. Uh, the part that, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you lead this part. I'd like to hear from you what parts stood out to you. Uh, obviously, the Deshaun Watson aspect, I think people took a little bit out of context. But um, why don't you, you share with me what your thoughts are? Well, first off, the Deshaun Watson, him, we, everybody in Houston, I mean, we already, Rick Smith wasn't as bad as any of us made him out to be. Agreed. Um, however, Rick Smith wasn't as bad as how all of us made him out to be. I don't know how he, I mean, we've kind of talked about in the past, um, how he was always great at identifying guys that could be really good football players like I mean look at where he drafted Hop or look where he drafted Hopkins uh, look where he drafted Watson and Watt um, these are guys that at BMAC like, easily yeah BMAC I mean his early round picks when you were actually trying to find people that were players that you could build a team around he was good at now the problem that he struggled at was actually building the team around it so yeah he was just as good and just as bad as every single one of us always claimed him to be. However, we also forget that he's a really good guy. That's the best part about him. That's for me, you know, it's funny. I, I did a, I was on a YouTube channel this week and um, it's called the pursuit of possibility. And it was really cool. It's a buddy of mine from Google. And a lot of it's, this guy's just one of those motivational, just really positive guy. And I, I was thinking about Rick Smith because I just read the article before I went in there, and it was just very interesting because, yeah, Rick Smith has just always been a good guy. Always. To the media, to the players, like the way he handled the Ryan Mallet thing on Hard Knocks, right? Like, uh, you know, he wasn't Iron Fist. He wasn't like, do it again, I'm going to cut you. He talked about it, heard him out, uh, which is, I think, a thing that people tend to leave out when communicating and conversating is actually listening. Uh but, yeah, I mean, Rick Smith was a good guy. And, I mean, through what he had to go through, like, I, I can't even imagine. I can't I, – I don't even want to try to imagine. And I was very, very surprised with how the Texans handled it. They put him on Cobra, um, which is, you know, you're fired and you lose your insurance. We had been told when they let him go that it was kind of a mutual parting of ways. that He, wanted, he needed to spend time with his family. However, I was just very, very surprised with, I was just surprised by that. I mean, you would think the way that they've always talked about the organization that there would have been something made for him to kind of, to kind of help take care of him and help with those medical expenses. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I do agree that it was the right move for him to move on. Um, regardless of, Opinions about Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith, I don't think that they complimented each other at all. Now, the Watson pick, I do appreciate that Rick Smith said that Bill O'Brien essentially gave him a vote of confidence. 
you got your gut, go with them. We'll coach them up. And everybody kind of, kind of laughed at that line, but what else are you supposed to, your head coach, what else are you supposed to say? Yeah. People took like, that this as is, like, he didn't want Deshaun and, you know, Pat Mahomes was his guy and all these other things. No, I mean, that just sounds like exactly how we understood the front office at that time to work. So Smith asked all of his personnel people. He didn't get the answer he wanted. He turns to the coach and he's like, what do you think? And the coach, to me, that sounded like Bill O'Brien was supporting Rick Smith taking Deshaun. And essentially just following their roles at that time. Because regardless, we've all... There's not we've all, but we've all heard the chatter even back then that, oh, it was Bill O'Brien running the team at that point anyways. No, that proved that he stayed in his lane, Rick Smith stayed in his lane. And, you know, that's the vote of confidence that a coach is supposed to give. You, you, you draft them, we'll coach them. I mean, and I think another part that's kind of being left out and probably wasn't discussed in the article was the fact that they most likely went in with a quarterback target. And they had conversations prior to that about which quarterback they wanted. But that wasn't a part of the article that was written. So, you know, there's a lot to be left for people to put their own kind of spin on it and what they think. I I think Deshaun Watson, I mean, I know Deshaun Watson was Bill O'Brien's guy. That was the guy that he wanted. If they were to take a quarterback, that's who he wanted. And... You know, if you read, if you only read those snippets, you would you would think that that was Rick Smith. He saved the day and and got us a franchise quarterback. And... Well, and also, I mean, I hate to defend Bill O'Brien on this, but say he turns to Rick Smith, and Rick Smith hasn't made the pick yet. He hasn't made the decision. He asked for his opinion, and say Bill O'Brien's like, yeah, yeah, go get him, go get him. And Rick's like, you know what? We're not going to give up the first. I mean, what what, is, what does that mean? What does that leave everybody at? So it's a different story. Regardless, that is the, I mean, it. on, on Bill's part, it's kind of a cop-out, but it's essentially following his role. He's like, I'm the coach. You pick him, I'll coach him. Yeah. And it also leaves himself kind of, I hate to say protected, but protected in case he picks somebody else. Yep. No, I agree. Um, I agree. All right. Uh, what else did you want to get to on the Rick Smith article? No, that, that's about everything. Um Again, good guy. It's worth reading if you have it. Um, don't focus too much on kind of the people that didn't read it because it's on The Athletic and you have to pay for it. But it is worth it. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, even though right now I kind of understand as Astros fans that mm. while you want to kind of just toss the entire thing away, um, Aaron Rice is doing a great job. Um, he's got a lot of really insightful articles. So... You can just ignore the baseball side. Still, pay the money, read Aaron. It's worth it. It's well worth it. I think it's the best subscription I actually have uh, for for sports and reading outside of Game Pass. Um, yeah, and Aaron does do a good job. I think Aaron. I don't think Aaron gets enough credit for what he does for the Houston Texans. You know, there's there's always the one person that people talk about, and then you know, then they complain about McLean and Berman and. Uh, I think Aaron does do a good job. I think he gives thought-provoking stuff and doesn't just mimic what he hears on Sports Radio Six Ten. Uh, all right, let's get to let's get to free agency because this is a this is a hot topic. We're exactly a month away from from free agency. 
Uh, I'm wondering, John, if we need to break this up a little bit. Only reason is we have four weeks of content that we need to fill. And I don't want to... I don't want to get into too much and then us have nothing to talk about for the next four weeks. Uh, no, no, I, I agree. I think with this one, we're just kind of talking about the cuts and what we could kind of see happen with some of the in-house guys in-house guys and how they can kind of be restructured. I know y'all have a lot of, y'all want us to get into our wish list. I would probably, I want to save that until about a week before free agency. If, you, if it's cool with you, because we a lot of these guys may get re-upped by their team before then. And we did this real early last year, and then all of our targets didn't hit free agency, so we felt really dumb. Yeah, I think what we can do is is just talk about free agency next week, talk about the players that are available, maybe not necessarily uh, fits. Maybe we can do like defensive side, offensive side, and then that would give us an opportunity that following week to talk about our wish list. Um, yeah would probably be ideal. So let's hop into kind of where the Texans sit right now. So where, where the Texans are as we stand. So they cut Vernon Hargraves last week. Um, that increased their projected cap to 65 million. Uh, there are a couple other moves that they can make. Uh, I have a total of them being able to reach at least 70 million. Now there are some other moves that they can make that could increase that, but I think that would be gutting a little too far. So my moves to get them to $70 million would be signing Will Fuller to an extension and reducing his current cap hit of $10 million. Maybe something like... Before we get too, too deep into this, um, when we talk about getting between 65 and $70 million, um, every projection has said go ahead and cut 30 to $35 million off that because that's what's going to get put towards Watson and Tunzel. Yeah, but from what I understand, those are going to be extensions. So... With those being extensions, they'll be playing next year under their current contract. Possibly. It depends on the signing bonus and the structure they decide to, decide to go with. And but, I also don't know if they're going to sign Deshaun this offseason. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, we, we all kind of assume that they're going to wait and see what Mahomes gets. However... One of the crazier ideas I've actually seen is it may be cheaper to let them play under the uh, under the um, fifth year option. under the tag the, fran- the franchise tag after the fifth year option for both of them because of the, but it kind of depends on how they decide to restructure the the collective bar- bargaining. So there's certain rules in place, and if you don't follow Texans Cap, please go read all of his stuff but it puts restrictions on how they can create these contracts while they're under contract, essentially. Something about the, uh, shoot, I'm going to completely butcher it. So I'll, it might be better to come back to this one so I can go read what he actually wrote. And so I don't butcher, butcher it and make it sound like he's an idiot when I'm trying to quote him and I'm just the idiot. No, it's fine. So I'm going to get into some of the moves that I think the Texans can make to get to 70 million. Uh, so as of right now, they're sitting at $65 million. I think signing Will Fuller to an extension, uh, maybe something like two years, $14 million, or maybe two years, $16 million, cutting it down to a $7 million or $8 million cap hit per season. Uh, they can then cut... So there's a lot of talk right now, and I, th- I think this is an interesting talking point. There's lots of talk about cutting Zach Fulton 
in the off season. Yeah. Uh, seven million dollars. Yeah, it's seven million dollars, which is pretty good for how. I mean, he's not a great guard, but he's a good guard. Uh, I think it, it's this is the way I look at it. Last season, do you think that this off season we would be complaining about one person on the offensive line? No, <laughs> that's kind of crazy, especially since last year. Right. At this time, he was the guy that, you know, he's our good one. He was he's our, our, good he's one. our solid one. <laughs> yeah, Nick Martin was yeah. questionable, right? He wasn't performing at a level that we expected him to. Uh, we had Kendall Lamb and, you know, oh God, everybody else at tackle. Um, and then Senio and Greg Mance would switch off at left guard. So we didn't have a lot of stability in the offensive line. Now we're entering the offseason with a starting left tackle, a starting left guard, and Max Sharping. So starting left tackle and Titus Howard, starting left guard and Max Sharping, starting center and Nick Martin, starting right guard Zach Fulton, and then a starting right tackle and Titus Howard, who when all five were on the field, the offensive line was a top 15 offensive line. You can make an argument, stat-wise, they were a top 10 offensive line. Now we're, we're talking about cutting a guy because we want $7 million dollars to go spend somewhere else, and then we're going to fill that with a draft choice? I don't know if I like that thinking. I, I, uh, so you would rather spend $7 million, Where are you going to spend that $7 million? Are you going to spend that on Darren Fells and give him what Greg Olson got? Like, where are you going to put that $7 million? I'd rather have another start that starting guard back and have some continuity in the offensive line that was improved last year. My thought. And you have enough money to go make make some moves in free agency. You really don't need that extra $7 million. I don't know. What are your thoughts, John? This, this is kind of where my head's at. It's one of those that kind of depends on what the plan to replace them is. Now, if they draft another rookie to play on that offensive line, I think at that point we kind of reach a, a tipping point on just the, the age of the line. Yep. But now with Fulton, the idea out there is if you cut him, one of the free agent guards available for a comparable price would be better than him. Now, the part that you kind of forget about that, and we've talked about it at length before, is the continuity that you need within your offensive line. More so than any other position in group, these guys got to work together. Now, what they did this past year with essentially the entire line getting flipped and then adding Tunsil right at the, I mean, literally right at the end of the preseason, throwing him out there, didn't get a chance to play with any of the other guys. And this was part of the reason why Tunsilitis became a thing because he just hadn't practiced with them. I mean, he didn't know these guys. So we're going to take one of the veterans off, this, off the line. We're going to add another wild card in. And, and it's not even because he's a bad player, just to save money. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I understand why, because he's the easy guy to look at. Oh, he's got a big contract. He's a guard. There's always there's a bunch of guards. This will be easy. No, I don't. I don't really think it will be. I don't think it will be. And and I also think that we what we've seen with this offensive line with the turnstile at every position outside of center is that you know to build a good offensive line you need to have continuity. You need to have the same players on the field each and every season for at least a couple of years to be able to. Uh, really build on the previous season. And 
I, I while Zach Fulton in pass protection is just average, uh, in run in in, in um, run blocking he's really pretty good. So if I had a choice of being able to roll the dice on the right guard position and or keep Zach Fulton, I'd rather keep Zach Fulton. Now I've seen this kind of thrown out there that they cut Fulton, move Titus Howard to right guard, and then draft a tackle in the second round. Um, I know that this offensive class, this offensive tackle class is deeper than we've seen in the past, and thank God it can come at a better time for the league, to be honest with you. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to mess with Titus Howard's development and take him out of a spot where he looked really good. John, that would be uh, that'd be you if you wanted to chime in. No, you were breaking up. I was trying to tell if you. I couldn't tell if you froze or not. Oh. Are you going? All right. Would you mind? <laughs> Everything okay over there? Did you get the Wi-Fi extender? Yeah, I got the Wi-Fi extender. Okay. Uh, so I was saying live and unedited people. <laughs> I, I would like to. I was saying that I, there were people saying that. They would move Titus to right guard and then draft a right tackle in the second round to replace Titus. And I, I was saying that I would much rather have uh, Titus stay at right tackle and build off of what he did his rookie season than mess with right, we've, we've done that. We've played that game. We, we've played shift him around and put him at all these different positions, and we've seen how that works. Why would you do that again? Right. And, I mean, right tackle is arguably the – it's a harder position to fill than guard. And we're talking about saving a guard. Granted, we are talking about uh, trying to keep a guard on the team. With Titus Howard, he's already proved that he can play right tackle. Um, they talked about at length how the difference between right tackle and left tackle isn't as drastic as it used to be. You used to just want to aim mauler at right tackle that would kind of help clear the lanes for, for running. Um, now, because of the way that the pockets move and especially with an athletic quarterback like Deshaun, you, you want two solid tackles that are both athletic and smart. And it just doesn't really make sense when Titus Howard actually went out there and probably had the most impressive season for any rookie tackle this year before he got hurt. And we're going to flip him, and we're going to move him to, an, to, the, to, lead, to a less valuable position. I mean, again... It just kind of goes back to why are we moving on from Fulton? Why are we going to mix things up again? Neither one of these things really make a lot of sense when you talk about it at length. The only time that it starts to make sense is when you just look at dollars. But you're not going to find a tackle at a Titus Howard's level in the draft, so you have to pay one. And why risk it on another rookie guard anyway? Yeah, the only reason I could see cutting Zach Fulton is if you have a, if you're going to go from paying seven million for an average guard to paying eleven million for a top tier guard. If that's the plan, great. But how are you going to guarantee that you're able to get that guard? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it. I don't think it's a smart move. All right, let's let's keep going. So you can cut Senio Calamente, which is probably going to happen. That'll save three million dollars. Uh, like I said, I want to keep the offensive line intact. Hopefully they do. Uh, so what do we do with Fuller, John? Because this, for me, is really the question of the offseason. I think that Will Fuller has to be on the roster. 
He has to be on the team. You can't cut him this offseason and just say, oh, well. Um, he's dynamic when he's on the field. I would rather, instead of giving him the fifth-year option, I'd rather sign him to like a two-year, three-year extension, similar to kind of what we did to Whitney, who was underperforming before we signed him to his extension. Then he started to hit, and you know that deal looked like a extremely valuable deal at the time. Um, but with Will, it's it's injury, which is different than just production, and it's every year. Ideally, what's the ideal situation for you and, and Will Fuller? Well, this is one of those where if Bill O'Brien somehow gets Will Fuller to to agree to an extension with a lower overall uh, annual salary, then he should just stop being a head coach and just be a GM. So that's kind of going to be the trick. That In a perfect world, that's what we would do. That makes the most sense from our perspective as a team and as fans wanting the team to do well, but doesn't necessarily make the most sense for Will Fuller because all these things that we hear, he hears them too. All these things about look at how important he is to the Texans offense, he hears them too. So why would he be jumping, or why would he be eager to pay or to sign an extension, especially in the NFL where no money's guaranteed? So it's like, oh yeah, you're going to sign me for two years? Sure, sure, great. However, um, you know what? You just cut my pay this year and you possibly cut me next year because you're hurt again. So if O'Brien's able to talk to Fuller and get him to buy in to, hey, man, you're hurt every year, but we're going to keep you around. We're never going to catch you. Then possibly. But I just, it's one of those things that I hope happens, but I don't really see why Fuller would go there. What if you guaranteed both years? I mean, it's still at the NFL. No money's ever really truly guaranteed. But it would, I mean, it would make sense if he could. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. It, it, it's one of those that, yeah, we need to keep Fuller in a perfect world. We need to keep him at a lesser rate. But we have to look at it from a, a player's perspective. Why? Why would he do it? Yeah. And when you're always hurt and you know you could be cut at any time or have, or granted, it could be one of those things that it's had that it's like, what if I get hurt and I can't play anymore? So why am I going to give up the money? Yeah, and also you need to keep in mind that Will Fuller, while while being hurt uh, every year, uh, he is well-respected in this league. I mean, there were multiple comments from coaches and offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators all season that talked about us basically having two number one wide receivers on our team. And that's a, that's a fair thing to say when Will Fuller is healthy because – if Will Fuller is able to put together a full 16-game season where he plays every snap and is fully healthy. Yeah, he's going to have ungodly numbers. Ungodly. And there's, there's, you know there's teams out there that are going to look at their strength and nutritionist staff and go, look, we, we can keep this guy healthy. Yep. We can do it. Yep. I mean, Buffalo kept Kevin Johnson healthy. Yeah, I was going to say, look at the Bills. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, all right, uh, Giovanni, that's a very good question. I was actually going straight to that. So uh, there are rumors of the Texans actively shopping middle linebacker Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, if we were to trade Bernardrick McKinney, that would add an additional $5 million, which would get us to the 70 that I was talking about. Um, actually, that would get us to 75 if we restructured uh, Fuller and Cutsenio. Um I think 
I think there is some some stuff to trading Bernard McKinney, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that if you have if you'd rather have Bernardrick or Zach, because you can't pay both linebackers top tier linebacker money, and given the de- like when you look at how a linebacker has developed in this league, Zach Cunningham is the prime example of what that should look like. Last year, Bernardrick McKinney was hands down. Um, the best linebacker on this team. Hands down. Can't even be discussed. He was the best inside linebacker on, on this team. I think you could potentially say best linebacker on this team. No? Yeah? You want to make No, I agree. Cunningham, Cunningham is the more important one going forward, especially with this style of play in the NFL. Now, I completely understand the idea of them shopping BMAC, and I love BMAC. I don't want him to leave. Because BMAC, for the type of line, style of linebacker that he plays, there's not many, if any, that are better than him. However, the way the league is trending, and it's been trending this way for a couple of years, that style of linebacker is just not as valuable as it used to be. Uh, this is the same reason why uh, two years ago, one year after the Rams signed, I believe it was Alec Ogletree, yep. to a record-breaking contract, they shipped him out. Bernard McKinney is in the same style of linebacker that Ogletree is. He's a run-stopper, um, occasional pass rusher, and he's not good in coverage. And this was after him actually doing the best he ever has in coverage this year. I mean, he had his highest coverage rating or whatever it is for his entire career this year. And he's still not as good as Cunningham. Cunningham is a tackling machine that can that can cover, and he doesn't pass rush as well as Vmac does. Like he's not that extra essential. He's not essentially that extra, I guess, lineman at times that Vmac can be. But you just don't need that as often. Brandon, you would think this year with the issues that we had getting pressure on the quarterback, we would have seen BMAC kind of explode uh, with that, and he would have had more sacks than he ever has. And that didn't really happen. He was asked to drop back into coverage more. So this also depends a little bit on what type of defense do we think Anthony Weaver is going to actually run? Is he going to stay with, stay with that same 3-4 style that Rack does? Is he going to do more of a 4-3? Is he going to do more of a hybrid? We actually don't know. And if he's looking to do either a 3-4, then there isn't really a space on, on the uh, roster for BMAC, which is surprising. Yeah, I think the the interesting aspect that we need to keep in mind is if we do lose DJ Reader um, and then we lose BMAC, you know, from a, from a run-stopping perspective, things are going to be a little difficult. Uh, the question is from Giovanni if... If we were to trade BMAC, what would the value potentially look like if we did trade him? I think maybe second, third. You're not getting a first for a middle linebacker anymore, unless it's Luke Hukley or, no, just maybe Bobby Wagner. <laughs> Bobby Wagner and Luke Hukley are probably the only two that will fit. You got a first-round pick for a retired player. I... Uh, I, yeah, you probably still Let's would. Let's go for that. You probably still would. <laughs> if he was to come out of retirement, somebody would maybe think about it because he was that great of a linebacker. Um, right. 
But so and I, there's those type of linebackers just don't grow on trees. No. And the way that the NFL and defensive defensive, I mean, it's it's weird to say, but it's just it's not the same linebacker that she used to have. These guys now have to be big safeties. They have to be Cunningham is closer to what an ideal linebacker is now than BMAC. And ten years ago, I mean, ten years ago, BMAC would have been a perfect linebacker. It's just the way offenses are now. Well, now let me ask you this, John. Would you trade BMAC and a third to Detroit for Darius Slay and then sign Darius Slay to a long-term contract? I don't think they'd do that. Uh, that's fine. I'm not asking. But of course, they, uh, of course, they would. So, well, from what I hear, they're, yeah. they're they're looking for a second or a third, according to Adam Schefter. So, if we can spend BMAC and then end of the round third round pick to get Darius Slay. And then we have to sign Darius Slay for $15 million a year. Yep. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, I would too. I'd do it. What if it was the second? <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, I would. I would too. That's still probably I, I, I think Darius Slay is a, is a top four quarterback in this league. I think there's Stephen Gilmore, Tredavious White, Jalen Ramsey, and Darius Slay. Yeah. I mean, Slay's a, he's a hell of a corner. So second round in BMAC, I I have to pause a little bit and maybe think a little bit more about it, but I'll still do it. What if they sent you a fifth back with that? I'd do it. Yeah, that makes it a little easier. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that they will, but I, I just think it's interesting that he's out there and we potentially could lose Roby, and maybe that's how you offset the loss of Roby. Yeah, I mean... Again, thanks, uh, thanks, Giovanni, for reminding us about last year. That was the rumor that the original trade discussions with Miami got started because it was BMAC centric. Flores really wanted BMAC. Um, that's who Flores. He, think, I mean, again, a Belichick style defense from ten years ago, five years ago, even last to an extent year. a little bit now. Yeah, they would build their defense around a player like BMAC, and so of course. Miami could see him as being that all-important cog, and that's how those trade discussions got started. And you know, if he would still be interested, I would, I would, pre- I'd probably reopen that dialogue. Again, though, if we're staying with, if we're staying with the three-four, I would like to keep Bina. I understand that it's going to be very hard to pay both Cunningham and Bimac, but I think you just kind of try and figure it out. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, before we get into the rest of the Texans free agents that we want to talk about, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, Young Ari Gold here. I'm extremely excited to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Clear. Never run to your gate again. Clear helps you get through security with the tap of a finger so you can get to your gate faster and reduce pre-flight stress. Start getting through security in a tap. Clear replaces the need for physical ID cards using your eyes and fingertips to get through security because you're the best ID out there. Sign up is easy. Create your account online before going to the airport. Once you get to the airport, a Clear Ambassador helps you finish the process, then you can immediately use Clear. And this is not just at airports, this is also at 65 other airport and stadiums across the country. Parker and I are gonna be going to LA on Thursday, and we were super excited to go enroll in the Clear process. We were in and out of the Austin Bergstrom Airport within five minutes. That's why I'm so excited to talk to you guys about Clear. Clear is the absolute best way to get through the airport security, and it works great with PreCheck too. 
Right now, listeners of my show can get the first two for two months of Clear free. Go to clearme.com slash Texans and use code Texans. That's clearme.com slash Texans, code Texans for your first two months free of Clear. All right. Make sure you guys go to clearme.com backslash Texans and use promo code Texans for two months free of Clear. It really is an amazing thing. That's why I approved this ad. Uh, I hate waiting, so... Make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, all right, let's start to talk about other potential Texan free or other free agents. Um, ooh, Xavier Howard, Xavier Howard. Let's talk about that real quick. His char- if his charges are dropped, that would be interesting as far as BMAC. Uh, because I really like Xavier Howard a lot. Uh, he he would he would be an upgrade on this team. I mean, he he would definitely help this team. He could play man and corner. Uh, I just he, he would have to be a, in a part of the BMAC trade. Th- that would have to be part of it. Maybe it's just a player swap. I don't know. I don't know if you would player swap a corner for a linebacker, but then in that style of defense and what they build around, BMAC would be more of a focal point for that defense in Miami. So maybe. Granted, Xavier Howard. I think he'd be off limits. Even though the charges were dropped, it was domestic battery. And that's kind of that then the no no here. That's kind of been a, that's been the, the red line. Uh no wife beaters. Um so I I don't think that's gonna happen. Yep. That's a good question. All right, let's get to the big free agents that are actually we have two questions from um two of our listeners on Twitter I wanted to get to. Um we'll have to actually save this for next week because they are all free agent um around the other free agents. Sorry, Kevin. I know you wanted me to answer that. Forgive me. Sorry, Trevor. I swear we'll get to those when we talk about the free agents. Kind of switched up last minute. All right, let's get to Bradley Roby. So I have a list of players that are upcoming free agents. We'll start with the, at the top with cornerback Bradley Roby, signed in the offseason last year to a one-year $10 million deal uh, from the Denver Broncos. I think everybody knows that I'm a huge Bradley Roby fan, and I would love to keep Bradley Roby. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to keep him. And the only reason I say that is because I don't know if they want to commit 12 to $14 million to Bradley Roby. I think if they can strike a deal at $12 million, I think that they'll do it. But I think anything above that is a little too much for them. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on how the corner market shakes out. Now, the issue of Bradley Roby is how much, if he's trying to get up there to that $14, $15 million range, then he's gone. If he's going to sink down into 12 13 maybe. And I think that the Texans, would, this is based on just a little bit of things they would prefer to keep him, but of course it's He's one of the top, he's going to be one of the players they actually have a, a, a cap on. Um, I hate to say it, but him and DJ Reed are kind of both in the same boat. They would like to keep both players for the right price, but they understand that those players have to go out and do what's best for them because the Texans have a lot of holes on defense and they've got a lot of areas that they've got to spend money on. Yeah. I think so. Gut feeling, John, on Bradley Roby, if you had to guess if he would be back and we're going to do this with every. Texan, if Bradley Roby was gut feeling or not, would he be back or will he be gone? Gut feeling he's back. Gut feeling he's back. Same here. Uh, All right, let's move on to Lamar Miller. You know, it's funny. 
entering the season, I thought that it was a sure thing that Lamar Miller was gone from this team. Now I'm starting to look and I'm starting to think that there's a chance he's back next year. And the reason why I say that is because I think he'll be extremely cheap. Coming off in the ACL injury, been with the team for three years, four years, uh, has been productive, but not the production we expected from him based on the salary that we committed to him. Carlos Hyde is also a free agent. We'll get to that. Something weird in me tells me that there's a chance Lamar Miller is our starting running back next year. <laughs> Part of me wants to cry, but I think you're right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just one of those things that value. I just it'll they'll get him cheaper than Carlos Hyde. Yep. Naturally, he's Bill O'Brien has his guys and. I think the the magic to be a Bill O'Brien guy is if you buy into what Bill O'Brien kind of does as a philosophy. It's like you may not play to your, he may not play to your strengths, but he's going to play you to what the team needs you to do. And Lamar Miller may be the absolute perfect example of a guy that wasn't played towards his strengths, but he did exactly what Bill O'Brien asked him to do even though that didn't highlight what he was really good at because that's what the team needed him to do. And I think Bill O'Brien really appreciates when players buy in like that. So yeah, Lamar Miller will at least get offered a contract. He will not, I don't think he'll at least he, I don't think he'll be back, but he will get offered a contract. I don't believe he'll be back, but if he is, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, let's get to the prized possession Back in 2011, 2010, 2011, cornerback Jonathan Joseph signed by the Houston Texans from the Cincinnati Bengals has been a good corner for this team for a very long time. I actually, when I originally put this agenda together three weeks ago, I said to myself, retired. Now with the shape of the secondary let's say that Roby comes back let's say they add another corner and our corners are Conley Roby X Lonnie Johnson and Jonathan Joseph is the fifth option on this team I could see Jonathan Joseph playing in 10 to 15 maybe 20 snaps a game and being effective enough and staying on the roster for one more season thoughts I'm afraid uh, this is maybe we know each other too well because that's kind of my thought too that they're going to do the uh, burn a roster spot to get an extra coach, which they don't need to do. Um, JJ, love JJ, South Carolina player, um, are probably our number one free agent ever as a franchise. And it's the past two years, though, you can really truly see that he's hit a wall. He's just not where he needs to be. However, he wants to keep playing. So, gut feeling says that he signs with somebody else. Oh, um, oh, spicy! Gut feeling is, yeah, he's gonna some. He's gonna go somewhere else. That's my gut feeling. 
My gut feeling is he signs for one more year or retires and becomes a coach. Uh, <laughs> all right, Barkevius Mingo, he's gone. That's it. Next. Um, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Kaimi Fairbairn, uh, I think we keep, and I think we should keep. Uh, I think Kaimi. That's our franchise tag. Uh, it might be. It might actually be. <laughs> uh, it just depends, right? Uh, we did sign Anger to an extension. Uh, Kaimi, when. You know, at the beginning of the season, seemed to struggle getting used to Brian Anger. Brian Anger finally figured things out. Kaimi was, um, you could count on him. He he kicked well. I I think Kaimi's back. I don't think Kaimi's going anywhere. You know, there's a there's a philosophy out there that most of the NFL has that you don't ever pay a kicker more than the rookie salary. However, I mean, you look at the teams that have been successful the longest. I think they'll actually, you know, get them a decent contract for a kicker. A decent for a kicker. Which is like 20 years, $15 million. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Uh, Total. We're the whole 20 years. That's how much you'll <laughs> So we're, we're both on record saying that we will keep Kaimi Fairbairn. Yeah, he's, he's staying. Okay. Let's go to the backup quarterback, A.J. McCarron. Backup quarterbacks don't matter, according to John. I remember when we signed A.J. McCarron, he was like, oh, who cares? He's the backup quarterback. Any feelings of that being a little different now? Yeah, that's what you said. I can pull up the clip. That's literally what you said. I no was, kidding, I said that. I was trying to talk to. I was trying to talk about it, and you were like, "Backup, backup quarterbacks don't matter." <laughs> it, it, <laughs> um. Well, I for our team last year, I pretty much. Yeah, I mean. I could see where I was coming from because without Deshaun, our team it didn't matter. That's exactly uh, whomever start. That's where you whomever starting. I, yeah, whomever starting other than Deshaun doesn't matter. Now AJ McCarron showed a little something something. Um, it just kind of depends. Part of me, part of me, kind of it kind of kills me because you bring in AJ McCarron and you change the offense. Now. With AJ, it's closer to I think what Bill O'Brien wants to actually do, but I sort of wish you could find a player with Deshaun's skill set. Granted, there's no player out there that's along that's going to replace Deshaun. However, if it's a quarterback that has a similar but inferior skill set, you bring him in. You can do more things, I think, with the offense, and you can be a little bit more creative with the offense. Instead of trying to, I don't know. This is kind of what I, I had kind of, when I kind of vented earlier this year about, I, you're right, I can't vent too much about Bill O'Brien because we're stuck with him for the, for, the, for the foreseeable future. But if he actually designed plays to take advantage of the athleticism that he has, instead of just, you know, using Deshaun's athleticism as a panic button. If you have another quarterback that has a similar skill set to Deshaun, and you just build, start to build those plays in. I don't know. So part of me wants to say we let AJ walk, but we're going we're gonna to keep him as long as he doesn't get offered something outlandish. And the way the quarterback free agency looks this year, he we're going to keep him. Yeah, I agree. With all the free agent quarterbacks, you know, Drew Brees is off the market now, but um, I actually don't think there'll be a ton of movement. I, I think Brady will stay. Um but there'll be some... It's fun to talk about, but it's yeah. not going to... No, Tom Brady will stay. Uh, Philip Rivers obviously is gone. He'll he'll go to Indianapolis. Uh, Andy Dalton will go to the Bears and make them a contender. 
Um, Cam Newton. That'd be so fitting. Cam Newton will go to some surprise team that nobody expected. Jameis Winston will be back with the Bucks, uh, and AJ McCarron will be a backup quarterback to Deshaun Watson. Is my prediction. All right, this is the interesting one. Carlos Hyde. Uh, Carlos Hyde came in. We traded uh, Martinez Rankins for him uh, on cutdown day. Uh, ended up getting a very productive running back that shined in our system. Looked really good. There's a part of me says that his market will not be as fruitful as people think. Uh, and, and the reason for that is there's this is a pretty good free agent running back class. And I don't know if there's enough money to go around to get him a decent sized deal. I could Yeah, you don't pay you don't pay thirty year old running backs. No. Is he thirty? Yep, he'll be thirty. He's twenty nine currently, so he'll turn thirty. So wow. you do not pay thirty you do not pay thirty year old running backs. And especially somebody with an injury history like him. Yeah, but also, I think this was actually his you have to take into account like how many snaps he's had. Like, this, he he's pretty much like twenty six. Well, he uh, lost a year and a half, and, but he also went to Cleveland, and we saw how Cleveland ages people. So he's. I don't think that he's actually the. He's not quite big enough to be the long term grinder that I think Bill O'Brien wants. And I think that he's more of those kind of disposable. I hate to say disposable because they're not disposable. Every single running back in the NFL has skills that we really just can't even comprehend. You can look at guys that are um, like Christine Michael, who's a freak athlete, but couldn't cut it as a running back. So this isn't, I don't, I hate that narrative that running backs don't matter. Running backs do matter. However, they are replaceable because they take an absolute beating and hide. Maybe you get one more solid year out of them. So, He's not going to get it. He shouldn't get a huge contract. I hope we bring him back at something similar to what he made this year. If we did that, I am perfectly happy. I'm what's actually very happy with that. What's your cap? For My cap. Let's, let's see. see he, made, he made he made he uh, made two point eight last year. So how much would a third round running back on the this year's pay scale make? It's, um, it's like one point seven, I think. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, if he stayed at about the same, 2.8, I'd prefer for him to be 1.7 because I think you could find somebody in the third round that could be just as productive as him. However, he was good last year. He knows the offense. And, I mean, you know, we're, we're homers a little bit. We'd like to keep him. But, but you don't pay running backs. <laughs> that comment by far is the best comment I've ever seen in my life. Jeremy Ramirez, what's up, brothers? Listen to y'all's podcast like it's the Bible. Good shit. I like it. I like it. Jeremy's, Jeremy's my guy now. Uh, okay, so my cap for uh, Carlos Hyde, there's a trend for me that I think people will start to, to, to pay attention to. Continuity is my biggest thing. We, we see the roster turned over quite a bit, uh, I'd like, especially last season. I I think that I would I would probably not go above five million, but if we sign him to a one year five million dollar deal, I honestly wouldn't be too upset. And the reason for that is just bringing back somebody that's familiar with your offense that did well. Um, like I said, he hasn't had a ton of snaps. You know, it's not like he's worn down. I think we can get another productive year out of him. 
uh, you know, maybe take another running back in the third or fourth round that could potentially, or not fourth. I don't think we have a fourth. I think it's fifth. Either way, uh, take him in the later rounds, add a running back that he could potentially groom and just kind of go from there. Um, so $5 million is my cap. Anything above that. If another team offers him more than $5 million, good for Carlos. Five? Like one, two, three, four, five? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the dynamic. No, I definitely agree with you. There's something to, something to be said uh, with uh, continuity and something to be said about those um, like mid-level, mid-range bets. Um, we've kind of talked about at length how just guys knowing how to play in the NFL and having NFL experience are part of the reason why the Patriots have been successful. Um, so I don't disagree with any of that. I'm just kind of surprised because five million for running backs quite a lot. My th- my thought is, if we don't, if we, Dude's definitely your guy. He's got your back. <laughs> Good. That's what I'm talking about. That's the that's the young Ari Gold Army right there. I love it. Um, I think, and this, I don't think this would surprise me. I think this would surprise more people. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow, some way, we're paying a running back twelve million dollars next year in free agency. I, I would, I would not be surprised if Bill O'Brien bursts his load and just signs a running back that he's wanted forever. It wouldn't shock me if Melvin Gordon is the guy that he's looking for. I and I take back all the good things I've said about Bill O'Brien as an executive. <laughs> I just think that well. So here's the thing with like being an executive and being a head coach. There's emotional aspects to both, right? You have the players right. that you want, and then you have the cap and things you need to manage. So this is going to be very interesting to see because there's been a lot of praise about Bill O'Brien as a general manager, but what we haven't seen is a free agency with Bill O'Brien, and I could see some some moves made that people will scratch their heads like, I can't believe you paid $14 million a year for Melvin Gordon. No, you're right. And it's something that actually, it doesn't really keep me up at night, but I was about to say being that dramatic because you're right. Um, That's the, the knock on having the coach as the executive, as the GM, as the guy that's making all the player personnel decisions is he really wants a running back. He's going to get a running back. Now, he doesn't care what it's going to do to us for five years from now because if he wants a running back, he's going to get us a running back. And it scares me because you would think that Bill O'Brien's smart enough. However, hmm. we it goes back it. to... <laughs> You're starting to see it the way I was seeing it. I saw, I saw yeah, I see your it. face started to twerk a little bit over here. Like, oh, God, he's actually right. He's going to do it. He's just, he, we, we need all the stuff on defense. Like, we need, gonna, we need a lot. He's going to blow defense. it all on the offense. And he's going he's gonna to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go, I want a toy. <laughs> yeah, yep. It's like, but, it's so, like, we need our fruits and our vegetables and our healthy stuff. And he's going to be like, no, no, I'm getting the ice cream. I'm getting all the ice cream. Yep. No, that's, I mean, that's Bill O'Brien. I mean, look at him. He could probably put, like, he could make a bowl out of his chin. He could just put some ice cream in his chin and grab a spoon. Everybody can have a bite. 
Uh, all right. So, uh, final prediction on Carlos Hyde. Uh, do you think that we keep Carlos Hyde, or do you think we have a new starting running back in Houston Texans land? Well, what, the thought you've now put in my head, I'm hoping we keep him so we don't spend $15 million on Gordon. So $5 million sounds good, right? <laughs> I know. I'm, when you put it like that. <laughs> all right. I actually think that uh, I, I think that Carlos Hyde is, is gone, um, unless he comes into a fair deal. All right, let's get to defensive tackle Brandon Dunn. Uh, DJ Dunny? I think – what is that? DJ Dunny, he's the guy that – the locker room. He keeps all the six seats in the locker room. Oh, okay. DJ Dunny. Um, yeah. I think that's what that's what he does. He, he, he plays the music in the locker room, so they got to keep him around. Like they can't let him walk. Well, he's I think, play the music. I think with DJ walking, they might have to get music. I think potentially with uh, DJ walking, I think Brandon Dunn is a must keep. Uh, he's shown progression and development over the last three years. He went from a practice squad guy to uh, rotational piece to a pretty solid player for this defensive line. Uh, and if you do lose DJ, you're going to need somebody that's familiar with the position on this defense. Now things have changed, right, with Anthony Weaver. Maybe it's not that important, but I wouldn't be surprised if DJ walks that Brandon Dunn is kept. And and Brandon Dunn's yeah. not going to break the, the bank. So you're looking at maybe you know two to four million dollars a year for Brandon Dunn. Well, we'll get into the DJ conundrum here in a minute. But early season DJ, Brandon Dunn cannot replace them. DJ, after he kind of sort of ran out of gas towards the end of the year, that's Brandon Dunn. So at that point, they're the same player. And it's a, about a third of the cost. So keep Easily, it. maybe more. Are you saying keep Brandon, Brandon, he's not, he's not going anywhere. Brandon's like, I, I agree. Yeah, they're, they're keeping him around for more than just the, the sick beats. I agree. I agree. More than the sick beats. All right, Darren Fells, tight end. Uh, I think he's gone, and there's a lot of reasons to think that he's gone. I think, I, I think he, huh? too. You think he's gone? You're for, oh yeah, I think he's oh, gone. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think he's gone. I, yeah. I, there, there's a lot of reasons. I think uh, uh, one, I think it will be. Uh, I think he'll there'll be a market for him. Uh, he had a very very good year for us last year. Uh, I think he showed that he's more of a block, not more, uh, or he's more than just a blocking tight end. He's a receiving threat too. He's big in the red zone. Um, and I also think just with Kahali on his redshirt year on the IR last year, Jordan Akins, Jordan Thomas, you have three tight ends right there that are going to need some time to play. And Darren isn't going to be needed as much now with a healthy offensive line, Titus Howard back. Uh, the the mediocre blocking from Thomas Akins and Kahali won't be as it won't be seen as often as it was the years prior. So Darren Fells is gone. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. You agree? He's gone. Uh, but uh, thirty. He's thirty four years old. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of wear on the tires. However, he had a breakout year last year, and it's his last year you know, in the league. He's going to sign for the biggest amount he can, no matter where it's at. Yeah, this is where he's going to get his money. Yep. I, and you can't blame him for it. Nope, not at all. Uh, thank you for your service. I thought you were awesome, um, but you're gone. All right, Jahil Adai, uh, gone. Don't need to spend too much time there. Mike Adams, gone. Joe Webb, gone. Taiwan Jones, gone. John Weeks. We don't want to talk about Joe Webb? 
Are you sure we don't want to talk about Joe Webb? Yeah, we're not talking about Joe Webb. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about Joe Webb. You know, I, he's going to be back. He's other, so going to be back. The other podcast. He's going to be back. Cool. Joe Webb's going to be back. I don't want him to be back. He's going to be back. He's not going to be back. All right. Uh, he's going to be back. John Weeks, uh, <laughs> you know, not much of a breaking news, but uh, as you guys know, I have a relationship with John Weeks. He's He is confident that a deal is going to get done soon, him and uh, his, his, his agent, so... Uh, John Weeks will be back. There's no reason to let John Weeks go. Uh, it, it, I, you know, if you let go of a long snapper, that's really the best one in the league because of money. Uh, that's a problem. So we have bigger front office issues if John Weeks isn't back. All right, let's get to DJ Reader because this is a big one. Um, I was talking to Phoenix uh, prior to hopping on and Phoenix was saying he responded to our tweet about uh, free agency and said that he he wants there's three people he want Kaimi, Dylan and DJ and I responded back and said I think that DJ Reader is gone and I think that he's he's trying to maximize his value. He should. I think also you take in some of the comments after the Broncos game where he basically went full peanuts slash, you know, Charlie Brown and basically heard wah, 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 wah uh, when Bill O'Brien was talking. Um, I think you add that, and he's going to he's, – he's gone. I, I, I honestly don't even see a situation now where he goes out, tests the market, gets a, you know, $10 million offer, and the Texans say, okay, we'll pay you eleven. I think the only way he's back is if it's something underneath that. I, I don't think the Texans are going to – I don't think they're going to sign him. I don't even think they're going to send him an offer unless he goes out and just doesn't – the value isn't there that he thought was there. Well, Bill O'Brien already told us. DJ Reader's got to do what's best for DJ Reader. Yep. He talked about several other players. It's like, yeah, we're going to keep them. We're going to see what we can do. With DJ, it was pretty cut and dry. DJ Reader's got to see do what's best for DJ Reader. Which sucks. So, Which sucks. It it, I love DJ. I think he's great. Uh, I, I think he's one. I think he's a top three defensive tackle in this league. I think he's gotten better every year. Uh, he's very important to this defensive line. He's best friends with JJ Watt, which you don't hear often. You don't hear people talk about JJ Watt the way that DJ Reader does, and the way JJ Watt talks about DJ. You never hear JJ talk about a player unless he's specifically asked about that player. So that should tell you how much DJ Reader means to JJ Watt. Um, but unfortunately, I just can't see it. I just can't. And I love DJ. You guys know if you guys have been listening, Jeremy. If you've been listening for as long as you say you've listened, you know that I DJ is one of my favorite players on this team, and it's going to suck to lose him. You know, I lost Clowney last year. I'm losing DJ this year. My defense is turning into just a shell of itself. And it sucks, but I just, I can't see it. Yeah, when you talk to Bill O'Brien, the only player that you talked to him about was DJ Reader. Yeah, no, it's true. When he came on the show, that was the only thing. This is a he very so true shocked. comment. He was so shocked, too. Bill, Bill was like, what? You, you want to talk about the defensive? T- no, I do. I want to talk about the trenches, bro. Um, so I'm going to say, um, I'm going to be on the record and say DJ Reader is gone. Yeah, you're right, and there, here's the thing. Um, DJ Reader was a top 10 defensive tackle. 
top 10. However, I mean, with half the teams playing a 3-4, I think it's actually um, two-thirds of the teams playing a 3-4. That does limit his market. And just how much money are you going to pay for him? If it's early year, DJ, then when he's generating an interior pass rush, you pay him more. However, it's one of those things that we've kind of talked about even we've, we've talked about it with Merciless. When JJ got hurt, the level up from DJ Reader went away. DJ Reader went back down a level. So there's probably a belief within the organization, especially with some of the actions from DJ when like during conferences and things like that, that maybe it's like we're not going to break the bank on a nose tackle. Just maybe. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to prepare myself. Um, when we drafted him, he was the guy that I was like, "Hey, look, watch him, watch him." And I got James to fall in love with him, and James fell harder for him than I did. And he's been James's guy since. And it's just one of those where it kind of sucks where you take a player, six round pick, develop that player into a top ten player. And now he's going to make, he plays a position that you don't typically pay that much for that position. And because we need a pass rush, we absolutely need a pass rush that I just can't see him sticking around. I just can't make, I can't make the math work because I mean, we're going to talk about it with free agents. We've got to spend on one of these guys that can rush passer and they just, the, the merciless contract, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's my official response my blah, I, don't, I don't know what they're like I get why they did it because Merciless is such a great player but it painted themselves into a corner they essentially could have chose DJ or Merciless and they went with Merciless DJ. I'd rather have DJ I would rather have DJ too but that's not a decision for me to make and I obviously the team thought differently yeah all right, so and we'll again, this could also this could also go back to: Are they going to switch to more of a four-three? Are they going to switch to a situation where they have more? More often than not, they have four defensive linemen. They can't. They 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 can't. Not not with Whitney's contract. I mean, where where is Whitney going to play? Uh, I don't know. The, the, <laughs> they can't switch to a four-three. That has to be out. But. Either way, we'll get into that later on. We have God, we have such a long off season. Uh, so you're on record. Reader's gone. I'm on record. And yet we've made a hundred, or yet we've made an hour and twenty minute podcast. And we've got a long off season to go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what we do. Uh, Jeremy, I did hit Roby, and, and he is a badass Madden player. And you're 100 percent correct. Uh, all right, uh, Chris Clark, he gone. Uh, yeah, thank God. Uh, Brian Anger signed Stay an extension. Away. Uh, you know, Philip Gaines, I said gone. He might be kept. He might be kept as depth because he got hurt. Especially if it's a similar. And he's young. If it's a similar contract, I can't. Yeah. He, I'm going to say Philip Gaines is back. Yeah, I'm going to say he's back too. All right. Uh, Tyrell Adams, inside linebacker. Um, started the show a little bit towards the end of the season. Uh not great, but young guy that's been developed here. I think yep, practice squad player. I think we keep Tyrell Adams. Yeah. All right. He gets kept. Uh, DeAndre Carter gone. Yep. 
Whoa. Yeah, I think DeAndre Carter's gone. I think the I think the fumble, I think the fumble in the playoffs did him in. I think that was enough. I don't think yeah. I don't think there's anything else. As much as we look, he was top ten in every statistical category on returns for pumps and kickoffs. Uh, where you're going to find somebody else that can do what you need him to do, I'm not sure. Uh, but I do think that I, I do think he's gone. My only thought on that is that maybe kind of sort of depends on what we do with our spot receiver. I think he's gone. You know. So DeAndre Carter and Kiki both gone. So what do we do from there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> oh boy. If we could teach Will how to catch. Just maybe. Just maybe. Um All right, so DeAndre next one up. gone. Dylan Cole, he's 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 staying. Dylan Cole's not going anywhere. Yeah. There's no way Dylan Cole goes anywhere. The only way, and this is the one thing, this is a dark horse. The only way Dylan Cole is gone is if Carolina pays him a, a decent amount of money that people didn't think Dylan Cole could get to replace Luke Keekley. No, I will I will be straight devastated if they let Dylan walk. I can understand it because he's been hurt every single year, but... I don't want him to go. I, I mean, when he's been healthy, he's been fantastic. I it's think, just, I you think know, he's going to be. He's, but Will Fuller's been healthy more than he has. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, and to just kind of touch on the Kiki thing, the only reason I think that Kiki is gone, it's not because I think he should be gone. I think it's because he's in Bill O'Brien's doghouse, and if you guys listen to Jalen Strong's interview, uh, Kiki's pretty much in the same exact situation that Jalen was in outside of the off-field uh, antics. But Kiki's starting to chirp up a little bit, too, on Twitter. Uh, he's tweeting a lot of cryptic stuff. I love Kiki QT, but I don't think I don't think they give him an opportunity to earn that role back. Just so everybody kind of understands why I said Kiki is gone. Anything you want to add, John? No. I mean, Kiki's a Luskin boy. I, of course, I want him to stick around. Um but we've kind of, I mean, heck, we you have a first-hand account from the way that Bill O'Brien's a little bit of an old-school motivator, and some players don't respond well to that. And it looks like Kiki may be one of those players. And we, it's been proven and it's been talked about that Bill O'Brien is actually a great, great, great teacher of receivers on route running. Um, he's been complimented by some people out there as one of the best in the game. Uh, Jason Braddock actually did a deep dive on it last off season. And so he's going to be hard on receivers. That's probably why we see so many receivers end up in his doghouse is because that's an area that he's really hands on with. And some of these guys just don't respond well to how he motivates. And I think Kiki shield was Wes, uh, Wes Welker and Wes, Wes is gone. So Kiki shield's gone. And that direct, Direct one-on-one time with Bill O'Brien did not do any good for Kiki. Yep, I agree. All right, last and final, uh, Texans free agent tackle Roderick Johnson. Uh, I want to keep Roderick. And not because I think he's stellar, not because I think he's a above-average tackle, 
Uh, it all goes back to continuity. Uh, he's a guy that we've developed. He's a guy that has shown in flashes that he can play. He can start when need be. Uh, he wasn't a turnstile at tackle. He was better than any tackle we had in the previous season in 2018. And I think you can get him for a cheap deal. And you're going to need depth anyways. So I would sign Roger Johnson. Yeah, I mean, for what you have to pay him for a backup tackle, I, I yeah, you've got to keep him. Yeah. I cannot see how we can let him walk. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Let's. I guess that's really about it. Um, do we want to get in? Do we, should we get into the smoke? Do I don't know if I want to give that other platform any any clout. I'll say this: uh, I'm not sure if that was geared towards us. Uh, if it was geared towards us, that's fine. Uh, next time, don't subtweet us. Just come right at us. My at is I am Young Ari Gold. John's is uh, at John A Wade Three, and our uh, our podcast Twitter is at Houston FB Pod. I'll spell that out for you because it's probably better for you. Houston is H O U S T O N F B are letters, and then Pod is P O D. Um, just to make things a little bit easier for you, uh, I'm here for all the smoke. I've been here for four years. John has been here for four years. I've seen. Podcasts come and go for the last four years. You guys have started three months ago. If that was geared towards us in any way, you'll likely be gone in the next six months as that's what happens with the rest of you guys. So unless that was geared towards somebody else, and if it was, forgive me, but I found it funny that that was the day that we released a podcast and nobody else did that that tweet was sent out. So uh, next time, at me, bro. I'm I'm here for it, so don't don't get it twisted. Uh, All right. Yeah, we're... We've outlasted everybody. We've outlasted podcasts that have had some pretty serious backing. And yeah, we're amateurs because you know what? We are amateurs. <laughs> we don't make a dime off this thing. We actually lose money off this thing. This is, this is for love and fun. And you know what? If they're coming at us, that's... You know what? I don't even want to worry about it because, like you said, three months from now, we'll be like, who are they? Who are they again? Yeah, I mean, that's how it just goes. That's how it goes. You, they, they come and go every single time. Somebody's like, you know what? This is a great season for us to start a podcast. Yeah, and then guess what? You guys can't make it through the off season. So, like, just it's a. I mean, it's a grind. It, it really is. And I here's my opinion on anybody that wants to start a podcast. Please do. I, I'm I'm always up for listening for quality talk about Houston, Houston sports of any type. There's not enough of us out there. Like we've kind of talked with others. And at this point, we're all a bunch of toddlers. We get to be the tall toddler right now, just because based on perseverance, like there's other podcasts come and go. Um, we stuck around, we sink our money into it. We sink our time into it. And you know, it's just, it's uncalled for from somebody else to, to throw smoke our way. When, you know, we, we don't have anything personal against anybody. We want quality stuff. That's why we started, because there's not people worth listening to out here. And there still isn't, just to throw that out there. Like, there still isn't. So, I mean, I really don't care. Uh, you can go get any ESPN host. I don't care who your, your partner is. You can be friends with John McClain. You can do all those cool things. At the end of the day, you sound exactly like 610 and 790. So uh, maybe put a little effort into your show. Maybe write an agenda. Whatever it would be, whatever you need to do to be able to 
make a name for yourself. If you, you know, if you add us next time, you'll probably get a little bit more clout because we'll retreat it and we'll start something with you. And then people will be like, Oh, who are those guys? And then they'll check you out. And then next week they'll come back to us. But, um, feel free to, to do it. I'm, I'm a hundred percent down for all of it. Uh, all right. With that be said, uh, oh, Giovanni, whenever you want to come to Austin, I'm always down to, t- uh, you know, I could talk Texans and, you know, a little Astros, but I could talk Lakers all day. Um, all right. With that being said, I am Young Ari Gold. That is John Wade, the Garnet Texan. We are signing off for Texans Unfiltered next week. I swear to you, we will start the free agency thing. I know people are dying. Uh, we'll start with defense next week, and then we'll go to the offense the following week, and then we will go to our wish list. So we'll break down free agents in uh, on the defensive side and the offensive side of the ball and go from there. So with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold. I will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.